Hey, everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, May 6th. I think I'm going to start out just getting it out there, throwing it out there. Let's dive in to Kyle. Now, I want to preface this by saying I like the actor. He seems great. He's really cute and very charming, clearly. I I just, I just wish, almost, that YNR would have brought him on as someone else. I'm sure I'll get over this, but right now, I just keep thinking, why did they have to age him so far? It's weighing on my mind the first part of the week, and I want to get into him, but at the same time... I feel like it's too much all of a sudden out of nowhere. He is over 21. We saw him drinking this week. So he's probably 21, 23, that area, somewhere in that range. And it's just too much of a leap from being this young boy. He was so, I mean, he what was he, like 14 when they aged him? That's kind of ridiculous. And also... We saw Victoria with Reed this week, and that occurred to me. I thought, well, how old is Kyle in comparison to Reed? Does anyone have the timeline? Like, when was Reed born versus Kyle versus, like, Summer? And and I don't want to be a stickler. I don't want to be one of those people who has, you know, wants to stick on, to, you know, hang on to little angry little things about the show. I want to be able to sit back and enjoy, but at least for the first week with Kyle, you got to give it to me. <laughs> I've got to at least be able to complain about it a little bit for the first week. And it's not only that the aging is so off, but also it feels that the character is so off. Kyle was this all-American boy. He was all into hockey, and he was just a sports guy, and now all of a sudden he's come back, and he's leather jacket man, and he's angry, and so he's, he's, it's so completely different, and I think part of it that I'm having difficulty with is because I really liked the child actor. I don't get attached to child actors that often, and I just felt that he was particularly good for being a kid. And so I might be just holding on to a little bit of resentment <laughs> over the fact that that kid's no longer here, but I'll get over it. I know I will, because there are some very compelling parts of this storyline that I know I'm going to enjoy very much, starting with the feud between Kyle and Nikki. Nikki killed his mother. <laughs> so he has a reason to dislike her. He killed, she killed Diane and she's walking around free. And I can only imagine how I would feel as a young person who just recently lost their mother and knowing that this, that Nikki's walking around free. She never got punished for what she did, and I think it's Kyle's intention to punish her. And I love Nikki. Everybody knows I love Nikki. But at the same time, I think it's going to be very, very entertaining to see him just taking jabs at her the way he does, just making comments about her sobriety and... I, I enjoyed it. I think it's nice to have someone getting in there and challenging Nikki, as if we don't see enough of that from Victor. But, on you know, from a young person, I think that that's, it's been kind of interesting. And 
Kyle hates the fact that Nikki is involved with his father. So just as Nikki and Jack's relationship is starting to warm up and actually go somewhere, Kyle comes in, throws a total wrench into that. Jack feels that he can't continue to have a relationship with Nikki while Kyle feels the way that he does. So Jack actually called off his relationship with Nikki. Well, they, they agreed to. Nikki was just going to leave town. She thought she would do Jack a favor, step away from the situation for a while, and then maybe come back and things would be fixed. But Jack says, don't do that. Don't go anywhere. You're here for me. You've been supporting me. I really appreciate that. I need you right now. And I think on some level, Nikki and Jack do need each other right now, but they decided this week that they're just going to be friends Without benefits, just friends. <laughs> and Kyle's kind of already getting his way. And I I wonder though, I wanna I wanna ask you guys this question. Do you think that Jack should even have been involved with Nikki knowing how Kyle felt in the first place? It sort of seemed when Kyle brought this up when he arrived uh, into Genoa City. He, he kind of, I don't know, it kind of felt like at first Jack really wanted to have his cake and eat it too. He wanted to keep Nikki in his life and have Kyle be in his life newly, and he was hoping that he'd be able to smooth over the situation, and in some ways I think that Jack thought it was going to be easier than it was. And realizing how Kyle actually feels about Nikki, Jack has his work cut out for him, and only then did he decide to cool things off. And I just wonder, shouldn't Jack have right away told, you know, kind of broke things off with Nikki? Shouldn't Jack have really focused in on Kyle? I don't know. Maybe Jack doesn't owe that to Kyle whatsoever. But Kyle's claim is now that Jack's never been in his life. He's just bitter. Not only, I mean, I think that Jack's relationship with Nikki has just become the icing on top of the cake of things. <laughs> there's a lot of cake happening in this scenario. But, you know, there's like, but it's just the icing on the cake as far as Kyle's uh, resentment toward his father is concerned. I think that he really feels abandoned by Jack, which is unfortunate because Jack has spent a lot of time with Kyle within the last couple of years, and it wasn't <laughs> until he got sent away to boarding school that things started to get awkward between them. But it's taking on a whole life of his of its own. Kyle, I don't think he's in a place where he necessarily wants revenge. I don't get a revenge vibe out of it. I get an I'm going to do what I want to do and assert my independence vibe from Kyle. And the first thing on his list was to go see the number one person who Jack would never want him to go see, Victor. Kyle shows up at Victor's office last week, asked for a place to stay, which to my surprise, I felt like <laughs> Victor was way more reserved than I expected him to be. Victor told Kyle to go back and ask his dad if it was okay. It wasn't it wasn't as if Victor had sensed that this was going to tick Jack off and then just decided to roll out the red carpet for Kyle. It really wasn't that at all. Victor told him to go back, ask his dad, which Kyle did not do. Kyle just decided, I'm going to move out to the ranch. Why not? Victor has prepared a full wing of the ranch <laughs> for me. 
so he will be able to have his own space there and probably, who knows, plot whatever it is he's going to plot. But it, it really didn't even stop there. After giving it some thought, Kyle decided... Not only does he want to live with good old Victor, but he wants to work for him, too. Which is the ultimate twisting of the knife. Jack is very family-centric. And where there's family, there's business. They are tied in together very tightly. And now with Kyle taking a position at Newman Enterprises, rather than going to work at Jabot, rather than going to work at Restless Style, against the advice of everyone in his life, he's going, he's, he's hitched his little red wagon to the Newman train, and that is where he's headed. And I got a bad feeling. I, I, literally everyone in Kyle's life is advising him against this. Billy sat him down and had a really good conversation with him, and I think what Billy said was very, very correct. Victor seems so nice, so accommodating. When he wants something from you, or at first, it, it, it seems like a good deal for Kyle, at first. But just wait until Kyle does something that Victor doesn't like, or... <sighs> makes a mistake at work, or there's any any number of little dates the wrong person, any number of little things that Kyle could do that Victor is not going to like, and it's going to set him into the doghouse, just like everyone else. Why should Kyle be any different? So it'll be interesting also to see Kyle learn that lesson, and once he does, maybe that will usher him right back into Jack's life. But for now, it's just awkward. Jack desperately wants to make inroads with his son, but it's not happening. There was this really cool scene that I really, truly enjoyed at Jimmy's, where after he, after Kyle and Billy had had their little conversation, Kyle's in the bar, clearly has, he's become the ladies' man, <laughs> and he wants to show off for the girls, so he grabs a handful of darts, and he's ready to show his skills that he's a really He's good at playing darts, and none of the no one wants to take him up on his deal. He says he's going to buy him a round of drinks if they'll pl play darts with him, but no one's biting, and right through the door, wheels in Jack. Jack wheels onto the scene, and there's this little face-off moment between father and son over a dartboard, and I loved it so much. Jack pretty much kicked Kyle's butt while sitting in a wheelchair. <laughs> Kyle thought he was so slick. It's, it is good because Jack is slick. That's always been, if I could describe Jack in one word, it probably would be slick. And Kyle seems to in have inherited that quality. And so it was very interesting to see father and son playing darts. And they're both very smart, very skilled people. So it's, um, I think it's going to be a, a good challenge. And especially as, I think it gives Jack one more reason to get up out of the chair and walk. Jack needs that challenge right now. He decided against having his risque surgery, and he went back to Sarge and asked Sarge to continue the physical therapy route with him, to which, by the way, Sarge was not immediately open to. Jack fired him and was very mean. It was a very 
contentious relationship between them the entire time. But I think maybe having that break may have changed things. Sarge finally decided that, yes, he will take Jack back on as a client, but I have a feeling that things will be a little bit different this time around. There seems to be a mutual respect between them, which is good. And in fact, Jack finally asked Sarge, hey, I've known you for, you know, the last couple of months, but yet I don't really even know what your real name is, to to which uh, Sarge uh, revealed that his real name is Augustus. (laughs) But don't call him Augie. He did not enjoy that as a child being called that. So he, along the way, adopted the moniker Sarge, and he fits it very well. I like Sarge. I'm going to keep calling him (laughs) Sarge. And I think that I'm sure within the next month or so, he's going to be the one to get Jack up out of that darn chair and then meeting the challenge of getting his son back, winning his son's respect back. So it should be good. And I, like, really, I enjoy Kyle. I think that there's going to be a lot of good stuff coming up. He has interactions with a lot of people. Everybody seems to know him. He comes into town, he's he's Jack's son, and he's very popular. So he's got this relationship that has been pre-existing, apparently, with Abby, which I... Sometimes I think Abby is annoying. Do you guys? Is it just me? She's very... She's just, she's got this way about her. It's just kind of like I'm Abby Newman, you know, and just I'm a I'm a kitten. I don't know what it is. That's probably really bad. But there is something about her this week when she just tries to be all cool and like princess. It bugs me. <laughs> Sometimes I'm sorry. She's she's got potential, but I just want to bring her down just a few notches. I, um, 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 the, my record is part of my five year plan. <laughs> I'm gonna be dropping an album. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not channeling her right now. I'm trying to, but she's she she does work my nerve a little bit. I'd like to see her mature. A little bit more. She's just been bouncing around the scene lately. She hasn't really been... She hasn't really had any storylines of her own. She's just there kind of connecting other people's storylines. They need to get her into the forefront. But anyway, enough of Abby. (laughs) Abby has a way of stealing the attention away from talking about... From everyone. Let's get back to Kyle. Because I think that there's also going to be some interesting romantic potential... For him, he, right away, everybody's welcome mat into Genoa City is to go have coffee at the coffee house and flirt a little bit with Eden. It's been that way with everyone who's come in. Um, Carmine and Kyle and someone else recently came into town and she uh, just, she flirts with them. She's she's just a resident flirt. But again, someone who never really gets a storyline. Eden's always kind of there, but she never, oh, Ricky is the other person she kind of had flirted with a little bit. But she never really gets her own storyline. So I'm curious to know if if finally we're going to see her with somebody. I don't know if the Kyle thing is going to develop into relationship, but that could be interesting. And uh, finally, I think probably the most interesting interaction that could be is between Kyle and Adam. Because Adam was 
very, very close with Diane before she died. Of course, they had their ups and downs with their relationship, but Adam is someone who knew Diane. He knew the situation that surrounded her death. So I think Kyle has a trust in Adam, and Adam is... uh, He's kind of mixed. You, you don't know if you really want to trust. You want to trust him, but you don't know if you really should. But there's something in Adam that I think is going to come back with some firepower, and I think it should be kind of interesting to see how Kyle weaves into that story, especially now that he's working in Newman Enterprises. So on Friday. As we left off, Adam and Chelsea were sharing their first kiss, and when we picked up on Monday, Sharon was delivering a happy birthday card to Adam at with some very, very poor timing. She knocks on the door, Adam opens it up, and he's wiping his lips with Chelsea in the background doing the same thing. It's so clear that Sharon has interrupted an intimate moment, and she just stands there looking like a fool, and I felt so... Very bad for her. I did. I couldn't help it. She's witnessing Adam moving on with his life. And why shouldn't... Why shouldn't he? She pushed him away. Which, I... Again, please, please don't get me wrong. I love Adam and Sharon. I would love nothing more than to see Adam and Sharon back together tomorrow. But, at the same time, she's the one that cut it off. For reasons that I never really totally felt comfortable with. She basically left Adam high and dry while he was blind because she found out about something that he did before they were even back together. Before he had his change of heart. Before the farm. Everything before the farm. And she just left him. And I was mad at her for that. I still want them together. But at the same time, I think... This is her fault. This is of her doing. She could have been with Adam if she wanted Adam, and now she doesn't have him. She's watching him move on with someone else, and all of a sudden she wants him back. And I just, I I feel, it's a bad situation. It really is. And to tap it off, she writes in his birthday card, you deserve to have someone in your life, Sharon. So what does that mean? She's kind of telling him to move on with her words, but her actions are saying something different. And as soon as she sees Adam and Chelsea together, she gets all awkward. She turns around, leaves the room, and out walks out into the hallway and practically cries her eyes out. She, I just, I, I don't know. All I can think is that Sharon feels like She wants Adam, but knows that she shouldn't. It's the same story. It's the same thing she's always thought. But it's time to to do something about it. Because if Sharon wants to get Adam back, she needs to move quick. Because it's not just a kiss anymore. Adam and Chelsea are moving forward like a steam engine. And it's going to be too late pretty soon. Adam has every reason to move on with his life, and that's exactly what he's doing. Chelsea also is looking for a way to move on with her life. They're so in the same place. Chelsea and Adam are outcasts, 
Everyone hates them. Everyone wants them to just leave town. And it's just pushing them further and further together. They're, they're clinging on to one another. And I don't know if it's just a temporary thing, if it's a stop. It's a tra- to, it's just a, a, a train stop <laughs> for the steam engine, but it's happening. Anyway, slice it. I I am an Adam and Sharon fan. I am not altogether 100% against Adam and Chelsea, as long as it's a temporary thing, though. I do think that it's nice to see Chelsea out of her pregnancy clothes <laughs> this week. No more hair back, no more sweatpants, no more whatever she's been wearing. It's not been particularly attractive. Now she is... Letting her hair down. She's got her makeup on. She's wearing a cute little outfit. And she's asking Adam to go with her for a night on the town. And he wants to. That He wants to take her out. They're clearly dating. So they go for dinner at Glowworm, where they run into everybody. Of course, Sharon is there. Of course, Victoria is there. And Chelsea has this moment of seeing her child and she wants to just run right up and talk to Billy, or I'm sorry, not Billy, but Victoria and the baby are sitting there at the table. Billy isn't there. And she gave them the child with the understanding that she was going to be a part of their life, yet as soon as she walks up to Victoria's table, which Victor is there too, by the way, they it's, it's weird. They act like they don't want her there. Victoria, clearly uncomfortable, goes and kind of takes the baby away into the restroom, and Chelsea and Vic- Victor have a chance to talk where Victor pressures her to leave town for as much as Victor doesn't want Victoria and Billy together, doesn't care about this child that is Billy's bastard son, he wants Chelsea out of town, which is almost kind of seems like counterintuitive for him, but he manages to push Chelsea's buttons in exactly the right way. She gets completely upset. She and Adam leave the restaurant. By the way, while Chelsea is having this conversation with um, Victoria and Victor, Adam moves over, talks to Sharon, sits down, and she says, oh, uh, you know, I'm fine with you. Basically, I'm fine with you moving on with Chelsea uh, don't read anything into what I said in the card. It's not like a hidden message or anything. I can't believe she said that. But it basically tells him that to move on with his life, that she wants him to move on with his life. So she gives him the big send-off, and Chelsea's upset at the same time. They decide, screw this, we don't want to have dinner here. Chelsea and Adam go back to the hotel where Chelsea's fuming. She busts through the door angry. And Adam realizes that the best way that he can calm her down is by giving her a really big, good orgasm. (laughs) Which always has a calming effect on me, so I understand. (laughs) They have sex, you guys. Sex, (laughs) S-E-X. Adam and Chelsea are now sleeping together. I mean, it was... It was aggressive. (laughs) The sex was aggressive. It was more carnal and less, I have feelings for you and this is our first time. It was more uh, just two people crashing together 
emotions running high and two people crashing together and um and sex happens. <laughs> so, you know, as it often does. So I don't know what you guys think about it. Who let's just do a quick show of hands. Who is pro Adam and Chelsea and who is wants Adam back with Sharon or who wants or who wants Adam with someone else? I just I oh, I wish they would have picked someone else in Genova City to pair Adam with. He's just, he's my favorite character, and I just want him, I don't know. And Chelsea's was my least favorite character. Growing on me a little. Growing on me week by week, but still, I don't know if she's good enough for my Adam. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be honest. If Chelsea left Genoa City tomorrow, I would not cry. I wouldn't shed a single tear for her. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm content with it, but I'm not a, I'm not I'm not a fan. I'm not going to jump on the fan wagon. And pretty much no one else is either. Everyone in Genoa City wants Chelsea to go away. They want to be done with her and especially Victor. I don't want to forget to mention though that Victor and Billy had a really interesting confrontation this week as well. It's just, they came face to face just having it out, being really honest. Billy saying something to the effect of, it's not me that's ruining your daughter's life, it's you. And Victor got in a really awesome zinger about how Billy has daughters and he should go home tonight and just pray that his daughters never end up with someone like him, like Billy, like himself. So it, it was it was very honest between the two guys, which again is why I would think that Victor would want to keep Chelsea in town to continue to make Billy and Victoria uncomfortable, but it may just very well be that Victor sees Chelsea as a reminder to everyone of what he did, and now that he clearly wants to make inroads with Victoria, it may just be that he wants no more reminders of that to be in town. So Victor offers Chelsea, gives her up a phone call post-sex with Adam, and offers her a big fat $10 million to leave town. Obviously, his financial situation isn't hurting that bad from what Michael did, but he has $10 million to spare to bribe Chelsea to make her go away. And Chelsea's shocked. She's stunned. $10 million can go a really long way. She comes back to the bed to talk to Adam and says, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? What would you do with $10 million? And Adam says, I'd turn it into $100 million. So... Chelsea, I think, is going to take the money, and we all know that Adam's got an itchy business finger. He was on the phone earlier in the week trying to make uh, trying to make phone calls, trying to get some money together. His hedge fund didn't work out, so it may be that they're going to trick Victor into thinking that she's left town, but it, however it's going to pan out, definitely <sighs> Adam's going to get his hands on that money, which should be pretty interesting. I don't know. It's It's been kind of a, a, a bizarre week. It's all kind of turned upside down because there was also the scene at the same time at Glowworm where Sharon talked Victor into going over and connecting with Victoria and the baby. Victor's 
natural instinct is, it ain't my grandchild, I don't want to have anything to do with it, it's not my blood, therefore I don't want to have anything to do with it. But Sharon just said, you know, whether you like it or not, this child is a Newman, and you need to treat it equally, you should treat it the same way you treat all the other grandchildren. And Victor got up and actually went over to Victoria's table and started to make these inroads with her. So I, I, it's, Sharon just seems to have this effect on Victor, which I don't know why Victor so easily <laughs> listens to Sharon and not to Nikki. I, I swear to you, I think Nikki could have said the exact same thing to Victor and he would have done nothing. Just for some reason, he seems to prefer Sharon, which I think gives her the uh, total wrong impression, Sharon. A- Sharon knows that Adam is now I- I off with Chelsea. She learns the truth about Phyllis and Nick this week, that not only is Phyllis pregnant, but not only are they getting married, but Phyllis is pregnant too. So uh, Sharon's options are running low. There was a time when everyone in Genoa City was fighting over her, and now all of a sudden she doesn't have Adam, she doesn't have Nick. So what does she do? She runs to Victor mistaking this relationship, this good friendship that they have, the respect that Victor seems to have for her, you know, for business and uh, her family and all that, mistakes it for something romantic, and she runs back to Victor's office and kisses him. (sighs) Sharon, I love you, but why can't she be without a man for two minutes? Word travels fast through Genoa City. Everybody knows now that Phyllis and Nick are getting remarried, and pretty much everybody was able to guess that it's because Phyllis is pregnant. I kind of think maybe they shouldn't have jumped the gun on all of this. What's the big rush? They haven't even gone to the doctor yet. You might want to just go confirm (laughs) that Phyllis is pregnant before making the rounds and telling everyone. But, you know, it's up to them. They're, they're, They're big kids. They know what they're doing. They've been down this road before. And if this is what they want, then I'm all for it. I look forward to a fresh start for Phyllis and Nick, as long as it's genuine, as long as they can make it work this time. They seem to want to get a new start. Nick went out and bought her a new ring and proposed to her formally. I remember the old ring. I remember, I think I, I believe it was a yellow diamond, unless it was a pink diamond. But I think it was, a, I think it was, maybe it was a pink diamond. Maybe it was yellow. I don't remember. <laughs> I guess I don't remember the old ring. But <laughs> I enjoyed the scene where he proposed to her, and they have great chemistry. They obviously love each other. I just, like I said, I just really hope that they're able to keep it together because they have gone around, told everybody, particularly Summer, who is this young child, the only child of Phyllis and Nick, who wants to believe that her parents are going to get back together again, but doesn't really want to let herself fully commit to it because she's been disappointed before. Phyllis and Nick are on again, off again constantly. But 
they sit down and talk to her, and they promise her that they are playing for keeps this time, that this time it is for good, and it makes me nervous <laughs> that they are sounding so sure. I just don't feel like they can make that promise. It's Everything's almost too perfect. It's sounding too perfect. Something's got to come along and mess this up, and I think everyone in Genoa City is having a similar reaction as I do. They want to believe it's going to work out, but they're cautious, cautiously optimistic. Um, well, like, maybe not exactly Nikki. <laughs> Nikki was at Nick's house when, just after they told Summer that they were getting married, and she kind of figured out also about the pregnancy, and she's not really thrilled. I would say she's less than thrilled. And honestly, Victor had, Victor found out completely secondhand, and he had a similar reaction. Uh, Phyllis ended up going to tell Jack, and he was probably the most optimistic out of everybody. Phyllis and Jack still have a really good relationship. And actually, Y&R did this flashback of um, Summer's birth, when, on the day that Phyllis gave birth, Jack thought that it was his child. I, this is as I'm recalling it. He thought that if Summer was his child, but it turned out that she wasn't. And there was this heartbreaking scene where Jack had to hand the baby over to Nick, who was the real father. Oh! That just broke my heart. Jack, because, you know, he, he loves his family. He wanted that baby so bad. The doctors told Phyllis that she wasn't able to conceive. She was, I thought, barren. Summer was supposed to be this miracle baby that Jack wanted so bad and had to hand it off to Nick. It was horrible. But then, like, what, like... Apparently, Phyllis is not. <laughs> She's not uh, uh, barren. But at the very, very end of Friday's show, Phyllis told Nick that she wanted to leave the restaurant because she was spotting. And I don't know if that was for real or if that was just her way of getting out of the restaurant because things had been awkward with Sharon, who totally confronted her, totally guessed that she was pregnant, and pretty much implied that, oh, I see, Nick is marrying you because you're pregnant. I get it. And it was very weird, and then all of a sudden, Phyllis is spotting, so I don't know if she's going to have a difficult pregnancy. You would think that she was going to have a difficult pregnancy. It would stand to reason, but... I don't know. <sighs> I'm happy for him. I really am happy for him. I think it's a good thing. I enjoyed seeing Phyllis and Nick sitting down on the couch this week going through the baby box. They were going through Summer's baby things, and there was a flashback of Nick putting together the mobile, 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 <laughs> for Summer's crib, and it was nice. I liked them together, and it was good. So there's lots of good mixed in there, too. But like I said, it's almost too good to be true, and there is just this little voice in the back of my head that keeps saying, mm, could this be Ronan's baby? Michael Baldwin ain't too proud to beg. <laughs> he went back to Victor this week to try to ask him to reconsider the whole firing him thing, and it just didn't work out the way he thought it was going to. I, I was surprised at how Michael 
thought that Victor was just going to change his mind. He was talking with Lauren after revealing to her that he'd been fired. He said, I think that Victor's emotions were running high. And I think after he's had the night to sleep on it, I think that he will change his mind and hire me back. So Michael goes to Victor to try to plead his case. And Victor was a wall. He had a wall up in front of him. He he was not having it. He was not going to budge. He feels that Michael has, you know, has betrayed him, that he wasn't giving his Newman, wasn't giving Newman Enterprises 100% of his attention. And so he feels he has to punish Michael. And I really hate how cold Victor can be. Michael said to him, "I we're not just business. This isn't just business. We're friends, too. We've been friends for years. And I always thought that Victor and Michael had a very special relationship. Of course, then again, I thought that Victor and Neil had a very special relationship. And that, you know, that just blew up all over the place. But Michael's point about how often... He put Victor and Victor's needs before his own family. And then the one time when Michael had to put his family first, Victor can't cut him some slack. I mean, I I get that millions were involved in the in the mistake that Michael made. Millions, millions of dollars were lost. Millions. <laughs> That's all I keep saying. But in reality, nothing has been lost yet. Beauty of nature hasn't been lost yet. The SEC, yes, it's all over it. But they're all over the original sale. I, I think that Victor would still have a strong case that the company would go back to Newman since the original sale wasn't was invalid. I would imagine the company would go back to Newman and then they would open it up for bids yet again. But I, I just don't see why Victor has to fire Michael over this. I don't see why he has to take such a staunch uh, stance. I honestly just think that Victor is just mad that he slept with Genevieve and still doesn't have Beauty of Nature secured. He really should have by now. And I I just, uh, Victor's being such a jerk. It's really, really hard to love him after he treated Michael like this. But on the plus side, it has been really, really good to see Michael lately. He's we're get, he's getting a lot of screen time and I love having emotions about Michael. Michael pulls emotions out of me. He's a, just Christian LeBlanc is a really really good actor and has anyone ever thought that he kind of looks like Robert Downey Jr.? Does anybody like there's there's some signs. I just was watching him this week and I thought he kind of looks like RDJ to me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. He's such an awesome actor and I still love him with Lauren. I like them working together and I was really rooting for Lauren confronting Victor. As soon as she found out that Michael was fired, I thought, oh, please, Michael, confront, or please, Lauren, confront Victor. I want to see her go to Victor's office and rip him a new one. And she did. She first pleaded with him to, or first she was just shocked with him, but she asked him to give Michael his job back. Again, Victor wouldn't budge. Michael had already failed trying to get his own job back, but she was giving it the old second try, and Victor just was not, uh, he was not receptive at all, which is such a dumb move on Victor's part. Lauren 
was on his board of directors. She could very easily have made things difficult for him. She could have tried to vote against him on every single thing. She could have uh, thrown up all kinds of walls in his company. But instead, she chose to resign. And I was very proud of her, shocked, but proud of her, too, for putting her foot down, especially because Victor was so insulting to her. It was disgusting. He, after she handed him the resignation, he accused her of being emotional. He, it was the equivalent, he was just, he basically said, just go home and sleep on it, honey. You're being emotional right now. He might as well have just said, are you PMSing? I just got that whole vibe. Like, he was talking down to Lauren. I hated it. I thought it was very rude. But the good news is this is quite clearly going to set up the next phase of the storyline, which is going to be Lauren and Tucker working together to yank pry Beauty of Nature away from Victor yet again. And he is so going to deserve it. My, how the mighty have fallen. Genevieve, who was once walking around with her head held high, had all the cards, everyone in Genoa City, going after her, kissing her butt, falling at her feet. Now, she is on the ropes. She is in major major defensive mode because the SEC is all over Genoa City. They're questioning everybody. They are making their rounds with their little notepads, making their little notes, and it's all pointed at Genevieve, and she knows it. So she goes to Tucker to try to reinforce the deal that they had. She was asking him to lie for her and tell the SEC that he lent her the money to buy something. (laughs) That he lent her a massive amount of money and didn't ask what she was planning to to buy with it. Tucker decided that he was going to renege on that deal. She went to reinforce it and he was like, you know what? No, I don't want to do this. I've already got enough trouble with the SEC. I don't want to lie to them either. So... Genevieve tries so hard to salvage the situation. She's starting to get desperate. And so she brings out the big guns and she busts out an old photo of Tucker and Genevieve. It was like so obviously, it was so photoshopped, but it was awesome. It was this young photo of both of them and it looked really good. I had to laugh. I wanted to like paused it to, I just wanted to stare at it for a while because it was funny. <laughs> Someone at YNR had to, like had some fun photoshopping that that little pic. I totally enjoyed that. But unfortunately for Tucker, he left the photo after Genevieve. Well, Genevieve left because the SEC came in to question Tucker, and he ended up leaving that little photo out on his desk, only for Ashley to walk in and find it sitting there. So. She has been feeling despondent lately anyway about the fact that Tucker wants to go after Beauty of Nature, a competing company, a company that's going to compete with Jabot. She is very upset with him about that anyway. And then to find this photo that links Tucker and Genevieve together, she realizes that he's been keeping this a secret from her too. And it stings her, especially since Genevieve is an official enemy of the Abbott family. And now to find out that 
her husband and Genevieve go way back, and Ashley's been in the dark about it the whole time. All of the times that Ashley and Genevieve have gone at it, the whole time, Ashley was looking foolish in retrospect because Genevieve had this secret over her. And I think it just makes Ashley feel fooled and foolish. And I am feeling torn about what I think about this because on the one hand, I so hate that Tucker is lying. I think that a lie is a lie, and he's lying. He's lying on a couple of fronts, and I feel that his loyalty should be to Ashley. I think that his going after beauty of nature is so, it's so unnecessary. It just, it feels unnecessary. It's causing an unnecessary fight between them. Yet, on the other hand, I, somebody made the point to me last week that that really sunk in that Ashley knew what she was getting into when she married Tucker. He was a ruthless business guy. He put his business is business and his personal is personal, which is totally opposite from how the Abbots and the Newmans approach business. So she married him knowing all of that. And now that it's starting to kick in, that he's just being himself, now all of a sudden it's a problem for her. So I, I totally see both sides I don't know what I entirely, I don't know whose side I fall on. I think that I need to see more of Tucker's point of view in order to to know where I stand. I want to know why he's doing what he's doing. Why did he, is he going after Beauty of Nature relentlessly? And why did he not, why couldn't he just tell her about Genevieve? Like, I need a, I need Tucker to do a monologue or a conversation with Sophia or something to bring me back on his side because I'm on the edge. I think I could do it. It's just unfortunate that it's causing this much trouble in their relationship because I do like Tucker and Ashley. And I hate that Ashley always ends up in this relationship situation. It's the same story for her. It's always she marries some guy who who wants to take her company or buying a company that's competing with her company. She always ends up with these really strong business guys that put their business before their personal life. I guess that's, in, in general, the story of all women in Genoa City, except for Lauren. But I, I feel bad for Ashley. I wish that she could just get her druthers together and maybe go in and try to compete for beauty of nature. Try to beat Tucker at his own game rather than wilting into a little flower. I wish she would just turn into a a man-eating plant. (laughs) She decided to take her suitcases and go off on a business trip instead and just leave him. And he's he, he hates it. It's, you know, he wants to be with her, and, and she wants to be with him, and the situation's just becoming very, very bad. And I don't know what's going to happen with the SEC. I'm not exactly sure how it's all going to pan out. Victor is obviously scrambling, trying to do everything he can do for damage control uh, to keep Beauty of Nature in his hands or to get it back, uh, as the case may be. He even went to Adam this week, asking him to lie for him. I couldn't believe that. Victor was like, if there's anything, maybe you can tell the SEC that you did that was not, you know, or I don't know. He just was trying to get Adam on his side to help him out, to do him a solid, and Adam was not going to do 
it. And I don't know if that's going to play into whatever Adam's big um, plan for Chelsea's 10 million is going to be, but I just... I would like to see, I kind of want to see Adam screw Victor over. I just do. But he's, I mean, it's like everybody's, everybody's scrambling over this, including Kane. Kane is now in a very, very difficult position. The SEC is questioning him, knowing that Kane helped the feds trap Colin. Uh, now all of a sudden they're expecting him to do the same thing with his mother and try to trap her too. So they're swarming on him. Kane is just trying to have his family and his job, and he doesn't want any more drama. Kane's been through enough drama, and they're trying to repair the relationship between Kane and his mother as well. So he just he doesn't want anything to do with any of this. He uh, Kane just wants to go about his life. So he decides that he's gonna not tell the SEC anything that could help them out. Although. On a side uh, sideline, Jill is kind of hanging around <laughs> on the scene. She knows that Genevieve is causing Kane heartache once again, and she gets this magic phone call out of the blue to f from Philip, who's in Australia. He's going to have some knee surgery, and Jill's going to go there to be with him. And you know that if Jill is going to Australia, <laughs> there's no way she's not going to go to visit Colin. We we know from casting updates that Colin is going to be coming back, so I'm sure she's going to stop by and talk to him, and who knows, maybe she'll get some information out of Colin that can end up taking Genevieve down. I don't know. It, gets, it should be good. It should be interesting. And, and I, because I guarantee you that Genevieve's gonna end up going down in one one way or the other, and I don't think that Kane is gonna be the one to do it. I think the writers are trying very hard to repair Kane's character by having him extend the olive branch to his mother. Uh, so I just don't think he's gonna be involved in her downfall. Although I I wonder, I think Lily is really the driving force between you know. For that, for him. What do you guys, I mean, like, do you guys think that Cain would even have made the same decision? Would he have decided not to turn Genevieve in, not to help the feds, if not for Lily? So to secure... Victor's ownership of Beauty of Nature, even though he doesn't have a lawyer right now since he fired Michael, he has decided to go after Avery to try to entice her into taking Michael's spot, which I was very surprised to hear that Michael was okay with. Avery was grappling with this decision. Victor approaches her, of course, makes her an offer that she can't refuse, and Avery doesn't know if she wants to take it, but she actually goes to Michael, tells him what has, you know, what Victor's offer was, and Michael says, take it, do it, go ahead. I have a feeling, I think, that I'm gonna be hired back by Victor one of these days, and I'd rather have someone in there who I know is competent, and won't undo all of the things that I've done. And it almost sets up this situation where 
Michael is like the Cyrano. He's whispering to Avery from behind the curtain what she's supposed to do, and she's just out there being Victor's public lawyer. And I just have this feeling that someday Michael's gonna step out from behind the curtain and give Victor a big old kiss, a big old makeup kiss, <laughs> and let him know that it was indeed I who saved your company. I've been working on this case all along from behind the scenes, and he'll will reprove himself. <laughs> I don't know if that's where it's going, but ah, that would be funny. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, Avery has decided to accept the job, which is, I mean, it's good because it'll occupy her time. It'll occupy her mind, especially when Avery just keeps trying to knock on that, uh, knock on Phyllis's door, trying to beat down the wall that Phyllis has put up. And Phyllis is so closed off to a relationship. Phyllis is so damaged by everything that happened in their family that she's not, she's just not, she can't give Avery even the littlest inch. So Avery, I think, is realizing that that's a lost cause. She's going to keep trying, but eh, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's moot at this point. So Avery has taken the job with Victor, and she's going to be focusing on that, which meant that she had to drop Jack's case against Genevieve. And when she went to tell him that, I, I, Jack was very understanding. I thought maybe he was going to be ticked off, but he wasn't. He just told her, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And I completely agree with Jack. Avery is such an innocent in a lot of ways, she's a very innocent person. And Victor, it's oh, again, it's like Kyle. It always sounds good at first. And then as soon as you're on his bad side, it's another story. And I think that Avery probably thinks that she can handle Victor. But one of these days, very soon, he's going to be chewing her up and spitting her back out. And I just pity her on that day. She's, 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 God, there's like vultures all around her. I think Avery is... Um, a very kind person who wants to do the right thing, and she's got these really um, just bad... She's surrounded by badness because there was this scene. Oh, my gosh. Avery had this scene with Ricky this week at the coffee house where she told him... She pretty much told him that she blamed him for the, you know, losing uh, the Lucy custody case because Ricky pulled that whole baby knack being uh, uh, switcheroo magoo. And Avery tried to kind of rip him a new one, and Ricky just turned it on her. He just flipped around and said, you know what, lady? If anybody's to blame here, it's you. You're the one that came into town and got custody taken away from Phyllis and back on to Daisy. You got Daisy out of jail. You got custody given back to Daisy up for the child, so you better turn around and look in the mirror if you want to place some blame. And just the way he told her was, he told her off, it was so good. And just, I love the actor who plays Ricky so much. I can't believe how much I love him. It was so good. He tells Avery off in just this smirky way, like, you're not gonna you're not going to, like, blame me. I'm going to turn it on you. He grabs his coffee, goes to walk out the door, and just the way the actor... you got to go back and watch it. It was, like, Monday. The actor turned around and just... He had obviously devastated Avery. He, like, just dealt this devastating blow and then goes to walk out the door. But just before he walks out the door, he looks back at her and just gives her this little... <laughs> kind of look. Takes a swig of his coffee and just keeps on going. It was so freaking good. I love Ricky so 
so much. I can't wait for his tell-all book on Phyllis because I did read that the guy who, that Tim Reed is coming back onto the show. I think that's the character name, not the actor name. Whatever. He was Phyllis's psychiatrist who she... Back when she was trying to convince Danny that Daniel was his child, Phyllis made this sex tape for or something to blackmail Tim Reed. I'll have to I'll have to do my research on this before I you know before the time comes. But I think that there's going to be as a result of this book, there's going to be some interesting flashbacks, and I think there's going to be some new developments. I heard that Ricky might even get them to open reopen up the case uh, that that. Uh, Paul and Cricket had against Phyllis. Phyllis, like, ran them over with her car, I think, on their honeymoon. Or she, Phyllis, gosh, she has such a sordid history, and Ricky is there to just pry it right open. It's going to be so, so good. And in turn, though, I think the worm is going to turn on him, too, because I also read a casting update that uh, Heather has been recast, and I think it's going to be a good recast. I have high hopes, because as you all know, <laughs> I was not anti the I was not anti the character of Heather. I didn't like the actress who was playing her. It just was not a right fit. It just was not working for me at all. But they've recast her with Jennifer Landon, who uh, some of you might know her from As the World Turns, but I only know her that she's Michael Landon's daughter. So she's she looks like him. She's got his eyes for sure. She just she looks more close to the Heather that I have in my head, the original Heather. She feels more like Paul's daughter. I'm so excited to see what this actress is going to bring to the role and what she's going to bring to Ricky. Carmine shows up at Gloria's this week asking for a job. He wants to be a bartender. And I ask you, why would Gloria even entertain the idea of hiring Carmine when his stated goal is to break up Kevin and Chloe's marriage? He has said it. It's not even... A, 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 a subversive thing. He came out and said that he's, he's there to break up their marriage. So why why would Gloria do this? She obviously wants to bring in the business. <laughs> she wants to bring in the ladies. And she always has to hire a beefcake bartender for that. But at the expense of her son's marriage, it's very weird. And I, it's just setting up. It's just setting us up for some drama, but I just want to go on record as saying the premise is ridiculous. But I don't know. I can't believe Chloe hasn't thrown more of a fit about it. <sighs> it's not going to be good. Like, I don't know. I, Kevin, Kevin tried to talk him out of the job there. I can't believe that he wasn't able to do it. I, hmm. Does anyone else miss nerdy Kevin? Or is it just me? I, like, I, I would totally trade this hipster Kevin for that nerdy computer guy, the computer hacker, the pyro, any day. It's like Kevin used to be edgy. And now he's such a hipster with his short sleeve plaid shirt and black skinny tie. It's And it's only been since Chloe that all that transformation has happened. Maybe that's why I'm not into Kevin, as Chloe, Kevin and Chloe as much as maybe other people are. Because it's just... 
I feel like he had to change to be with her, and I don't like that. I miss the nerdy Kevin. May who knows? Maybe, maybe Carmine actually will break them up. Which I don't know. Maybe I maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing. Oh, I said it. <laughs> maybe Kevin and Chloe will break up right at the same time that Ronan comes back into town to claim his child with Phyllis. <laughs> And he can have the child with Phyllis, but he can go to bed with Chloe. That's what I'm keeping my fingers crossed for. In the meantime, it kind of looks like Carmine might be working with Jeff a little bit. Jeff is wanting to get back into the shady business. He wants to cook some books and take some bets, probably. And if it weren't for the fact that, what do you know... Carmine not only is an excellent bartender, and he can make some gnocchi, but he also is pretty good with numbers. So Jeff is excited about hiring him for that so that he can probably help do things with the accounting glowworm. And I am kind of thinking if he can pull it off, I think that Jeff might be wanting to make Carmine his dupe. What better way to wrap up a week and this my YNR vlog than by talking about my favorite couple on the show? <laughs> this week was Catherine and Murphy's three year anniversary. <laughs> and I just want to say thank you, YNR. Just Thank you. I've been missing Murphy. I've been wondering where the heck he is. I love him so much, and I love Catherine, and they had a wonderful time this week. Murphy came up with an incredible surprise. He takes her back to the diner where they met for the first time. I am not afraid to admit that I cried. And when they walked through the doors of the diner and the Pearl and what's-his-face, the cook, were there and it was a happy anniversary surprise party and Murph obviously went out of his way to plan this. I was so touched. I'm sure that no one else felt that way. I think I'm probably the only one that is this enthusiastic about Catherine and Murphy, but I just love them so much. I... I, I, I I enjoyed the storyline the how, how they met, and it was good to go back. They had their Salisbury steak, and they did a little dance. I was hoping, after everyone left the diner and Catherine and Murphy were alone together, I said out loud, please let there be a jukebox. <laughs> Next thing I know, there's a shot of Murph standing next to the jukebox, and he puts on a little song and asks for Catherine to dance, and he does this little jig over to her, just he pulls off his scarf and does this, he jigs up to Catherine and asks her to dance, and they dance together, it was so wonderful and so perfect, Murph in his, in his little shirt, and and just getting you, you know, he's, it was the perfect marriage. It was, it was Murph being the fisherman and the outdoorsman and kind of the, you know, just a little 
little bit backwater and Catherine is the the queen, the duchess of all of Genoa City and they just came together in this magic moment and they're dancing in the diner. I I it couldn't have been any better. Everything about it was perfect, especially Catherine in her flawless white pantsuit. Okay. I can't believe how long I have talked. (laughs) It's time for me to get going. I hope that you guys really, really enjoyed the show this week. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys all have to say. So it's time for you to leave leave me a comment. Find a way to contact me and let me know uh, what your opinions are. There's a couple of ways to do that. You can give me a call and leave a voicemail. It's pretty easy. It's just a voicemail. I think maybe if you keep it to like two minutes, um, that would be perfect. The voicemail number is area code 309-588-4569. It's country code 1 within the U.S. And it's area code 309-588-4569 if you want to call and leave me a voice comment about the show. Or you can always go to my blog and you can leave me a comment there. It's yrchatblog.blogspot.com or you can always just send me a good old-fashioned email. And the email address is yrchat at live.com, but either way, whatever your preferred method is, I would love to hear from you. It's always a pleasure. Okay, you guys, time for me to get going. I love ya. As always, it's a, it's just, it's always fun to talk to you, and I will definitely be back next week to talk again. So everybody have a good week. Mwah. See you later. Bye. <laughs>